Amen. Y'all ready for the word today? Yes. Hey, let's say it again. Are you ready for the word today? Yes. Amen. Right there in your seats where you are, just lift up your hands toward heaven. We're going to pray and just ask God to speak to us today. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we go into your word, Lord, as we open up your living word, God, I thank you that your word never returns void. And God, I thank you that as we, as we, uh, uh, as I preach today, that we receive not from me, not from Pastor JT, but from you. That God, you'll speak, that you'll anoint my lips, my words, my mouth to deliver a message to each individual within earshot that will bless their life, increase them, and develop their spirits. That God, they leave here different from the way they came in. That if they're watching online or listening to this podcast, that after listening to this, they'll never look at this subject matter the same way again, that it changes their life, that they receive revelation, knowledge, and God, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Say it better. Amen. 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 I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of John chapter 15. I'm really excited to talk about what's on my heart today because this, uh, this subject is, is, to be honest with you, is not something that I, I don't know if I've ever preached a whole sermon on it. I at least not that I can remember. So I'm not that old. So I don't think that I've ever preached an entire sermon on this topic. I've definitely littered this topic in different messages, but never a whole sermon on it. I'm really excited about this because we're in a season called supernatural. We've been talking about how God will, will put the super on top of your natural. He'll put the super on top of your natural. There's a natural side of things. Everybody say this, say uh, there's a God side. And there's a man side. You know, our little statement has been this. Say it with me. I like to have some feedback just to get everybody warmed up. Say, I serve a supernatural God. I live a supernatural life. God wants me to have the supernatural in my life. If you believe that and set your expectation towards that, you'll actually walk in the supernatural. You'll walk in the supernatural because God's not natural. He's not somebody you can't go and make an appointment to see him, but yet you can make an appointment to see him. You can't go down to the, uh, uh, you know, uh, first tabernacle on Main Street and make an appointment to see God, yet you can go in your bedroom, close the door, get on your knees and say, Heavenly Father, I need you to come in this room right now. I need you to touch my life. I need your wisdom. I need your comfort. I need your counsel. A Holy Spirit, come in and fill this place. God, speak to me today. And the Holy Spirit will come in and he'll fill your room. If you're in your car or at your job, he'll fill you. He'll come in right where you are. He'll meet you just as you are. And the good thing about God is though he loves you just the way you are, he doesn't want you to stay just as you are. He wants you to go higher. He wants you to go further. He wants you to go, uh, you know, he wants you to go deeper into the things of God. And what I want to talk about today, I think is surprisingly one of the things that might hold you back from experiencing more of the supernatural. It might hold you back from, from experiencing more of God if you don't get this right in your life, if you don't look at it the right way. Because all of us enjoy being happy, but very few of us understand what joy is. And this morning, I want to talk to you about supernatural joy. 
I want to talk to you about God's supernatural supply of joy in your life. If you look at John chapter 15, verse 11, verse 11 says this, these things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus. He's saying, I spoke these things to you and I spoke them to you that my joy. Notice the capital M. Do you see that in your Bible? Do you see that on the screens if you're watching online? My joy, Jesus's joy, his joy. He said, I spoke these words that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. There's obviously a correlation then between God's joy or Jesus' joy. Jesus, it's God the Father, God the Son, so they're all God. God's joy and what he supplies through Jesus, and, and, and we're going to dive into that and unpack this, but there's, there's obviously a correlation, right, between my joy being full and his joy remaining in me. There's obviously a correlation because he said, I, I spoke these things, the things that I have spoken to you, I said them that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Notice that he says it may remain in you. Obviously, it cannot remain in you. Or he wouldn't have said that. Obviously, it cannot remain in you. Have you ever uh, gone to pick somebody up? Uh, I do this all the time with my family, right? Um, if we're at a, a place where you have to park the car really far, right? And so if you're, you know, like me, a pristine gentleman, you say, hey, baby, hold on right here. Just remain in this location. And I'll go get the vehicle and I'll be right back. And if you do it like James Bond or, or Bruce Wayne or somebody, you give her a little wink as you walk away like a boss. And you go get your vehicle and you, and you swerve back in and you hop out and you open the door and say, here you go, baby. I got the car for you. That way you didn't have to walk. But you know, the key to that is that she has to remain where I told her. <laughs> because if not, when I come back, I'm going to be a little concerned. I'll be a little perplexed. Where'd my baby go? Where, where's my wife at? What, what, what happened here? What happened? I wanted, you know, I went to go get in the car. I need you to remain here so I know where to come get you. And Jesus said, my joy may remain in you. You could word it this way. You could word it this way. I wrote this down. Jesus basically said, everything I said, I said to bring you joy. Everything that I said, if you go and you, uh, Brother Mike did a good job of the offering today, and he pointed out that, that the verses he read at the beginning were all in red. Those are words that Jesus said. And then here in John 15, he says, everything I said to you was so that your joy may be full. So my joy remains in you and that your joy may be full. Also notice this, that, that God's joy, that his joy that is supposed to remain in us is tied to his word. It's tied to his word. We see several times in, in scripture, God says that. He says that, that my words remain in you. He, he says, meditate on my word day and night. He says, keep your word, obey in Deuteronomy. We see that where it says, if you'll hearken to my words and you'll diligently obey them, I'll bless you. The Abrahamic blessing is based on us hearkening to God's word and, and applying it to our life. When we keep God's word in here, Hear me this morning. This is super important. And it's not going to take me too long to unpack this. And we're going to end the service with a bang just to go ahead and prep you. 
If you weren't happy with the praise and worship at the beginning, just go ahead and get your socks ready. Pull them up real nice and tight. Make sure your shoes are laced because you might, if you've never jumped in church, you're going to probably jump at the end of the service today. Because he said, my joy is attached to my words. And if they live in you and you abide in me and I abide in you, my joy will remain in you, which will keep your joy tank full. We've all been there. Our joy tank gets a little empty. You feel a little empty. But if you think about it, I want you to wrap your head around this thought. So when you got saved, I've been in the ministry now for I don't know how many years, let's say going on 15 years or something like that. Um, And and then in my lifetime, I've seen many altar calls, seen people get saved. In the ministry, I don't know, between some of the bigger churches I've been to and some conferences where a lot of people got saved, I maybe have seen a thousand people get saved. Not me personally. I haven't led a thousand people to the Lord. I'm saying I've seen it. I've been in rooms where, I don't know, I would estimate around a thousand people. I've never once seen a person come down front, accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and, and walk away from that and say, I'm just so depressed. I'm so sad. They may be crying, but it's tears of joy. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, God has saved me. I mean, even if I've made this decision before and this is the second time or the tenth time or the hundredth time that I've accepted Jesus, he forgave me again and I've given my life to him. Or if it's a first time, you can just see it. Their whole demeanor, everything about them is full of joy. So then what happens? What? I mean, think about it. What happens? Why then can we leave a service like this? And I'm going ahead and I'm prepping you. You're going to leave. You're going to leave on a high today. You, you can't help but it because I'm going, I'm going to preach the word. It's going to get in you. Faith comes by hearing the word. Faith is going to be building you. Then I'm going to give you a moment at the end to exercise it and exercise your joy and leave a sacrifice of praise at the altar. And when you do all that, you cannot help but leave here joyful. But if you leave here and you walk out this room and you go to your car and you're bouncing, man, that was good. That was a good service. You're texting your friends. You're on, on, on Instagram stories or whatever. Uh, you made a, made, we went outside and made a TikTok dance. You're so excited. And then you walk over to your car and you got a flat tire. Your joy goes right out the window. I mean, for most of us, right? I mean, your joy would go right out the window. Right out the window. I mean, you'll take, I mean, you'll allow something like that to steal your joy. And you can go right from a high five minutes later to a low. You know why, you know, let me, let me just go ahead and, 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 and get to a central thought of what I'm trying to say today. Because I think it'll help you as you hear me expand upon this. This is why, listen to me, this is why Satan wants to steal your joy. I'm going to come down here because I think it would be better if I'm a little more eyeball to eyeball, okay? okay? This is why Satan wants to steal your joy. Are you ready? This is why. The Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Not my joy. Not, not manufactured joy. Not I got a new iPhone and I'm excited about it for a day. Maybe two days, or I got a new house, and I'm excited about it for a month or two or three, but the first time the washing machine breaks, or you have to replace the air conditioner unit, 
or the roof starts leaking. I'm not talking about manufactured, artificial, temporary happiness. I'm talking about something inside you that comes from the Lord. The joy of the Lord, when I allow that to run through my life, when I allow that to filter through, that my actions are of the joy of the Lord. My my, uh, uh, conversations are of the joy of the Lord. My demeanor is of the joy of the Lord. When I allow the joy of the Lord to flow out of my life, I'm strengthened. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When, when the joy of the Lord flows through my life, I have strength. Here's what you got to wrap your head around. If you have no joy, you have no strength. If you have no strength, then you're weak. And if you're weak, then you're not able to resist the devil. And if you don't resist the devil, then he will not flee. And if he does not flee, you do not win. The Bible says very clearly, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But if you have no joy, then you're weak. And if you're weak, you can't resist. And if you don't resist, he will not flee. And if he does not flee, you will not win. You have to be able to to resist. And the the, the devil, if you think about what what I'm trying to tell you, If Jesus said everything he said to bring joy, then everything the devil says is to steal your joy. Come on, somebody. Are you here? Did you go home? If if Jesus said everything he said to bring joy to my life, that my words remain in you and my joy remains in you, don't let anybody steal it, he said, because if my words stay in you, my joy will be attached to them and your joy will be full. But if you allow the devil to steal your, my word, that's what Jesus was trying to let us know. Hey, if he steals the word, your joy is going to go with it. Think about it. Everything the devil says is to steal your joy. I mean, you ever hear the, the, the devil say, oh, give and it shall be given. I'm going to give back to you. You ever hear the devil say, I'm going I'm to bless you today. I'm going to increase you today. I'm going to do, hey, I'm going to, I'm a safe place you can turn to. No, everything that the devil does, the Bible says he's a liar. He is a liar. He came to lie. That's all he does is lie. He lies and then he lies on his lie. He lies so much he can't tell what the truth is. He has no idea what the truth is. He is a lie. When the joy of the Lord is my strength, then I tap into, hey, guess what? My joy is going to be full. And and the way I respond and react to things, I can respond in joy. You know, you have to choose joy. He said that joy may remain. That means that joy can come and it can go. In Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8, we see the parable uh, where, where Jesus was talking about how the, the sower sows the word. And he's talking about it like, like, a, like a sower would sow seed and how the seed's thrown and it falls on several different places. But in, in Mark 4, 15, Luke 8, 12, you can see it in all the gospels, uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But he says this, that Satan comes to steal the word. 
And these are the ones by the wayside, Mark 4, 15, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes, everybody say immediately. Immediately Immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Satan is a word stealer. And if you aren't on your guard and you aren't looking for, for opportunity, looking, you know, the Bible says the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. I, let me tell you something. I have made a determination. For me and my house, we are undevourable. We are undevourable. Not this house. You ever see those shirts or those quotes or those memes? Not today, Satan. Not today. Not at the Clark house. You picked the wrong house, boy. Go ahead up out of here. I know that's not good English or good, you know, whatever. But sometimes when you're talking to a dummy, it feels good to talk like that. Get up out of here. Get out of my house. You're not welcome in my family. You got to have a little attitude against the devil. Little, little, little thrust. In Psalm 16, verse 11, you will show me The path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence. It's when you get in your presence, in his presence. It's when you get in his presence that there's fullness of joy. That's why I get so frustrated when I hear people, you know, well, I, 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 you know, I, I prayed this week and I feel, you know, more depressed than, well, then you're doing it wrong. I'm just, I'm being honest. That doesn't line up with the Bible. I'm not trying to be mean. You're doing it wrong. You, when you spend time with the Lord and you go in, in the Bible says to come boldly and to come in faith. When we pray, we pray in faith. What does that mean? I actually believe what's in your word. And and if I can just get your word to remain in me, then, then, then my joy is going to be tied to my, my life and to your word. So Listen, I want to go and spend time in his presence in a way, and it's not in a way, there's only one way to spend time in his presence and it results in joy. Another verse says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. If you feel bound up and you feel broken down and you feel chained up, you need to spend some more time in his presence. Come on, somebody. You need to spend a little bit more time in his presence, a little bit more time before the Lord. In your presence is fullness of joy. In, not not in the presence of Netflix. Not in the presence of alcohol. Not in the presence of drugs. Not in the presence of fentanyl. Not in the presence of... Of any other thing that provides temporary happiness, will I actually have fullness of joy? I may have something that feels like joy, that appears like joy, but everything, remember, everything from the devil is a lie. It's a lie. So if I seek temporary happiness, I'm just going to get temporary joy that's going to fade because it's a facade. It's going to go. He's going to go, I want, I want real joy. And I get that by staying in his presence. By staying in, you know, this is, this is what, listen, if, if, if you hear a message 
that's just like, well, you're saved by grace. By faith, you're saved by grace. And so you can just live your whole life any way you want to and grace saves you. Doctrinally, there's a lot wrong with that. But there's one thing that's wrong with that tied to what I'm talking about. That it will cause you to live your life in such a way, well, then I don't need to stay in God's presence. I don't need to live a holy life to keep sin, in, you know, keep sin out from in between me and God. I can just live however I'm covered by grace. And it puts you in a position where you, are, you will end up depressed. You'll end up in a mess. You will. You, 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 you will. Listen, in God's presence is what? Everything he is. One of the things he is, is joy. One of the things he, Jesus said, if my words remain in you, if you just, listen, the other morning, I, I got out my Bible and uh, I was tired. I, uh, somehow or another, all three kids ended up in the bed with us. Thank God we have a king size bed. And it was like 4 a.m. and Joshua is wide awake. I'm talking about as awake as he can be, as awake as he is right now in that nursery. He was wide awake. And he's in the bed talking about, hey, Kaylee. Hey, Madison. Hey. And then he goes this, and it was so funny because my wife, I didn't know she was awake. She didn't know I was awake. And, you know, we're like trying to, trying to sleep, trying to, you know, you know, we're hitting them, you know, you know, the girls are trying to sleep. And he's rolling around, bouncing around. Hey, huh. And finally he goes, Mommy, will you make some pancakes? At 4 a.m., will you make some pancakes? And me and Natalie both, almost at the same time, go back to bed, Josh. <laughs> I mean, we weren't having that. Finally, I went, I, you know, I didn't want to get up. I got him, went, put him back in his bed, let him cry for a few minutes, and he went back to sleep. But that morning after that, I'll be honest, was not really, uh, not really feeling it. Not really excited about Glory, glory, hallelujah. I'm going to go be in the presence of the Lord. I was tired. I was, I was, you know, I wanted to just veg out for a minute. I didn't want to do anything. But as I, I picked up the Bible, I actually went straight to where the, uh, uh, I just forgot what it's called, the, the cord in the middle, what's it called? The, the marker, whatever, you know, and, and went right where it was. It was in the book of Acts and just began reading the book of Acts. Just began reading about what the disciples were doing and how they were operating. And I got to a part where it was talking about how, how, how the, the, uh, uh, the disciples were doing their work and God began to bless the church. And God began to bless them. And it says that the church increased daily. And that began to just stir in me. Just began to just, just I, I, something came up in me. Something came, it wasn't me because I was tired. Do you hear me? It was God's word came alive and I began to get excited. God's working on our church. God's building our church. God's doing things that I can't even see. My wife um, uh, went through a situation uh, a while back and at the time, um, of course, she's still in college. She graduates uh, with her master's degree in December. She's been doing that while working. And uh, she went through this situation at school. Now, since she's been a school teacher, it's been different for me because we used to work together. We got married, and since the time we got married, um, I lived in Florence, family, and I worked at Family Worship Center Florence, and Pastor Steve was gracious enough to, when we got married, to also hire my wife, which was great. We got to work together for several years. It was awesome. Well, when you work together with your spouse, there's not much to catch up on when you get home. 
You know what I mean? I mean, you, you know, maybe a few little things, like if she did something different or, or whatever, but I mean, you know, because we didn't work like side by side all day. I mean, she had things she was working on and I had things. So there'd be a little bit to catch up on, but we pretty much knew what was happening. And most days we had lunch together, so we got to catch up then. Well, when we moved here, not the case. I'm working in the church. She's working at uh, Bookman Road Elementary. And so uh, we, we get home and it was like what they said in all the marriage counseling books. I had to learn to listen. Only one amen from a guy in here. Everybody's being really careful. Come on. You, you know, if you're a married man, you know, you have to work on listening. It's not our strongest. It's not our strongest trait. I mean, it's just not, it's not like something. I mean, maybe other men, but for me, I have to work. I have to be really diligent. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Now what's her name? Okay, and she's, who is she again? Okay, all right, all right. Can you go back a little bit? Because I, I missed all that because I wasn't sure who she was. I mean, really, I'm like, I'm, I have to work really hard. Y'all don't look at me like that. I have to work really hard to be involved in this conversation. And it's every day, which is good. You know, um, when we were getting uh, married and went through counseling and all that, we learned that, uh, and I don't remember the exact number, but a woman has a certain, all of us, Human beings have a certain word count, just like it's kind of like a, a standard that, you know, a number of words that you want to speak. We're verbal people. We want to speak. We want to talk. Well, men's word count is a lot lower than a woman's. A woman's word count is like three times higher than a man's. I don't remember the numbers, but it's, it's really significantly higher. Look it up. Well, I'm experiencing that. I'm experiencing that. She is, I mean, she is you know, now she's got a lot to say. She's been with little kids all day and she needs her husband to listen. She just wants to talk. But I got to where I really enjoyed listening. I got to to hear about the kids and got to hear about, uh, you know, and she kind of, you know, this is new thing for her and she fell in love with it. And it was cool. I mean, once I like, was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta be a good husband here. I gotta be involved in the conversation. I really enjoy it. I enjoy hearing about her day. I enjoy hearing about how she's doing. She went through this phase, however, where she was dealing with something at work. Now hear me, this will help you. She was dealing with something at work and every day she came home, all I heard about was this issue. All I heard about was the issue. All I heard about was the issue. It was all, all about the issue. I, I didn't hear any more about the kids. I didn't hear any more about how much she enjoyed her work or, or you know, coworkers she interacted with or she got to spend time with someone. I didn't hear any of that. It was all about the problem. All about the issue. And finally, I'm going to be honest with you, I got tired of hearing it. I just, I'm just, I got tired of hearing it because it wasn't any, it, it was stealing my joy hearing about her and the problem. And I finally told her, I basically told her that. Babe, listen to me. You're letting this, this situation steal your joy. You're letting it steal everything that's happening You know, I mean, I'm not hearing any more about the kids or hearing any more about what you're learning about teaching or any, I'm not hearing anything about that. All I'm hearing about is the problem. You're, you're allowing that. I love you, but you're allowing that to steal from you the enjoyment of going to work every day. You're dreading going to work. You're dreading, you know, now this is easy for me to talk about my wife. Now y'all don't go and like, you know, judge my wife. The reason I'm telling her story, not mine, because my story deals with the church and deals with all of y'all. No, I'm just kidding. But no, I mean, it just is, it, it, you know, it, it's a story that I felt like would help you. And it was easy for me to see as the husband. And I could see as soon as I did, I didn't do it like mean or anything, but just I did it pretty direct. 
said, babe, you're, you're allowing that situation to steal your, I mean, you're, you can't allow that. I mean, I understand it's going on and you've tried because every day it was like, well, I tried this and that didn't work. And I tried this and that didn't work. And I tried this and that didn't work. And it was all about, I'm like, I'm under, I understand you've tried everything you can try. And we've prayed, we're believing God, but you, you can't allow that thing to deter what you're doing every day. Well, my wife is, is a very, very sharp person. I mean, anybody that's dealt with her, you know, she's just, she, and so I could see it in her face. She, she didn't rebuttal me or whatever. I could see it's, it was setting in. We kind of left it. And it was a day or two later, I could, I could visibly see as her husband, as she was leaving for work and coming home, I could see a difference. I could see a difference. I, I could see a difference out because she was determining, okay, I'm not going to allow the thing that I'm facing. Knowing that I'm going to go face it, I'm not going to allow that to steal my joy. I'm not going to allow the devil, and I'm not saying that this situation was the devil, but when it, whenever you face any type of problem, whether it's him directly or indirectly, problems come from the devil. I can back that up with scripture, but then I'll get off on a whole other tangent. I was like, I can see a difference. You're, you're enjoying work again. You're enjoying doing things. I mean, it's, it's like enjoyable to be around your family. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's not, it, you know, and thankfully, he didn't really get into that where it was like affecting our whole family. But it, I, if, if I had left it and she had left it, it would have. It would have affected her as a wife and affected her as a mother, right? And we've all been there. We've all seen stuff like that. I, I, I have done that. I, I, again, I'm, I, I have to be careful because of the dynamics, but there have been plenty of situations for me, the same thing. You know, the Bible says when the prodigal son was at his lowest, he came to himself. And one of the things, best things you can learn is self-evaluation. To look at your life, look into, circumspectly, look in and say, I need to fix that. And I've had to do that. There was a, a situation uh, um, before I got here. So this was before Columbia years ago. Same thing. I, I, I didn't even want to go to work. I'm working at a church. I'm working for the Lord. And, 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 but it wasn't the problem. It was me. Now that's tough to hear. But, but I am in control of me. Everybody point to yourself. This is one of my famous sayings, and I need to copyright it soon so nobody else steals it for when I write my book one day. But listen, say this of yourself. Say, I, I control, me. control me. You control you. You control you. You control your spirit. You control your, your, your reactions. You cannot control what people do around you. You cannot even control your spouse. You cannot control your children, but you control you. And so when you're thinking about the joy that we have in our life, first of all, recognize where it comes from. Because supernatural joy, remember, it's not happiness. It's not temporary things like, oh man, if I get that raise, I'm going to be happy. Actually, probably not. Maybe for a month, maybe for a little bit, but some other need will come up, something else will come up, and that, 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 those funds are only going to go so far, and they're not really going to give you, I mean, they will make you feel good. It's nice to get a raise. It's nice to get a bonus. I, I'm, hey, I, I, I preach that. I, I, I believe in God blessing you, 
in all kinds of ways, including financially. I believe it. It's nice. But it's not going to bring you joy like being in God's presence, staying in his presence, keeping his word flowing through your life so that you flow in supernatural joy. If you're getting anything out of this, say amen. Amen. In your presence is fullness of joy. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy. Everybody say joy. And joy in the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. This is Romans 15, the next chapter. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, may he fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at this scripture. Now may the God of hope, may he fill you with all joy. It's supernatural. I'm talking about a joy that says, I don't care what happens to me. I've got something that nobody else has. And, and, and that's not really true because if you're another, you know, if you know, there, are other, there are thousands, of, millions of believers in the world and they have the same blessings you have. But, but what I'm trying to say, you know how you actually you can look at it this way. God's so good. Ready? You can look at it this way. You can be enjoy, joyful because when Satan attacks you, You can be joyful because, listen, you have something he can never have. I don't know if everybody got it. I don't know if everybody got it. Listen, you know, Satan cannot have a relationship with God. He cannot have the Holy Spirit. He cannot be in right standing. He he has put himself in a position where he will never be able to be in God's presence and have fullness of joy. Never And you have something that even the angels don't have. That's what the Bible tells us. You've got to look at your life and say, you know what? I know I may be facing X, Y, or Z. But that situation will not determine my joy. It will not steal my joy. I'm going to say it that way. We allow joy stealers in our life. We allow joy stealers. Things that just steal our joy. What are they, what, what's actually happening? The word is being stolen because if you, if, you, if you will flow in the word, meaning that if you're facing a, a, a situation like, like what I was facing or my wife or whatever, and you say, you know what? And every day you face it, you wake up and say, my God shall supply all my needs. And that includes this thing I'm facing. Well, automatically you look at that situation differently. Just by saying one verse. Now, the problem we face is the problem. So you have to make the word, hear me today, really good, this is helping you. You have to make the word bigger than the problem. Or you have to make the problem smaller than the word. But what the devil will do is make everything bigger than the word of God. He'll magnify it. The Bible tells us to magnify the Lord. We have to magnify him. Let's keep going. Galatians chapter 5. This is talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We, we, we learned this growing up. We, we learned about the fruit. We learned that God, uh, the Holy Spirit comes in and we have fruit of the Spirit that shows up in our life. Yet, how often do you actually eat of the fruit? How often do you check your fruit? When I studied horticulture at Clemson, I, I, I studied... And they taught us there are telltale signs that a tree's not doing well. 
You can, you can see it in your, and you don't have to be an expert to walk out, look at your grass and see some brown spots and go, well, that ain't doing right. That's not doing well. Something, some, something's wrong over there. I've got, there, there, there's, there, there's something eating the, the roots or, or something spilled on it or, or a dog peed on it or whatever, but it's not doing right. You do the same thing with a tree. Self-evaluation. You know what? I, I need to evaluate. Uh, I'm not producing fruit. Well, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit comes when you're full of the Spirit. When you're full, when the spirits, when you, when you are, are tapping into the spirit of God in your life, how do you do that? Spend time with him. When you pray, when you pray, the spirit of God inside you is a part of that prayer. The Bible says, listen to this. This is why we're going to end the service in praise because the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. Do you hear me this morning? Where does he live? He lives in your praise. Where does he inhabit? He inhabits your, the, the praise you give him. The praise you give him substantiates God coming and dwelling in your life. I know he's inside you, but, 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 but in order for you to, to uh, allow that to actually produce in your life, you have to exercise the things that he's given us. You have to exercise prayer. You have to read the word and allow the word to remain in you and not be stolen. Satan steals the word. You have to keep the word alive in you. Keep the word alive. What, what, all right. Let me, let me actually, let me unpack some more of this and then it's going to make more sense. Ready? So we looked at first at John 15, right? Y'all remember that? These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, when the Bible was written, it was not written in chapter verses, right? So it wasn't broken down the way we have broken it down. So um, he also, Jesus also talks about joy in chapter 16 and chapter 17. This is back to back to back. So sometimes we look at chapters and, and we may feel like it's all this time in between them. But notice John 16, 24 until now, you have asked nothing in my name, Jesus said. Ask, ask, ask Jesus what you want, and you will receive. Why? Why does God want to bless you? That your joy may be full. He, he wants your joy to be full. Look at verse uh, chapter 17, verse 13. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Well, we know how that happens. You accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then like I said earlier, I've never seen any person get saved and then automatically become depressed. There's joy there. there, there there's something you can see in them that's like, man, and y'all remember, hopefully you remember, whether you were a little kid, whether it happened to you in your adulthood life or as a teenager, Man, God loves me. There, there's, a, there's a being in this universe that created me, not just to create me so I live a life and die, but he created me so I could have a relationship with him. Man, this is awesome. And you begin to, to, to feel different. And then something happens. Somebody talks to you. Somebody says something. You watch some stuff. You go through life, go through some problems. 
And if you don't stay in an atmosphere where God's word stays alive in your life, the joy is stolen. Not just because your joy goes down or because you don't want to be a happy person, but because the word is stolen. Because the things that the devil throws at us, the Bible tells us uh, um, in Ephesians that the, that the fiery darts of the wicked one come. The fiery darts of the wicked one. Think about that. He's in your life looking, oh, oh, oh. Well, how do you quench? The Bible tells us, how do we quench the fiery darts? It's the shield of faith. What does faith say? I believe God's word no matter what I'm facing. You know, it's an absolute slap in the devil's face when, you, when, when he throws his best shot and you laugh at him. I was listening, you know, I like watching football. And yesterday they, they were talking about one of these great coaches and they were saying, hey, uh, you know, this coach, and they, they quoted the statistics, he's had um, uh, so many wins by a large margin, but a surprising number of wins by one possession or less, meaning that, that he only he won by just a few points, like a surprising number of wins. And they said, listen, this guy, you know why that happens? Because he never loses his cool. Because even when he gets in, in, in the pressures there and his back's against the wall and he knows what the, the report's going to be on Monday and he knows he's going to have to go after the game and talk to the press and he knows that all his players are going to look at him in the locker room and say, coach, what happened? Even in the midst of all that, in the fourth quarter with just a minute or two left, he's still calm, collected, saying we're going to win this. We're going to win this. We've won it before and we'll win it again. When you do that to the devil, I mean, think about any, and you may not watch fighting like boxing or anything like that, but the, the craziest guys, the ones that get the most attention are the ones that are like, like stupid. Like, like when they get hit, they're like, ha oh, is that all you got? But usually those are the guys that win. Unless they're just terrible boxers. But usually, I mean, right? I mean, usually, because they're, they're the guys that just say, you get, you, is that your best shot? And, and it psychologically gets in the other guy's head because he was like, actually, yeah, it was. And you're smiling? And you're laughing, and now he's trying to exert more effort, trying to knock the guy, and the guy's just smiling and, and ducking and ducking, and the guy's exerting so much effort because he's like, man, I'm giving all I got, and this guy's still smiling and laughing, and nothing's hitting him, and that's what the devil's doing, trying to hit you, trying to hit you, trying to hit you, trying to hit you, and you're just smiling and ducking, and all of a sudden, boom, left hook, right hook, and put him out. And not the devil. How do you do that? See, when you have joy in your life, listen to me, this will, this will help you. When you have joy in your life, it gives you that reprieve to regroup, get your sword out, and go to battle. Because if, 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 if the joy is depleted from you, you've got nothing left. You've got nothing left. Listen to this uh, uh, in Acts 13. In Acts 13. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city. Now, the Jews, they, this was talking about people who were against the Christians who were spreading good news about Jesus. Does that make sense? So the Jews that are stirring up trouble right now are not good Jews that became Christians. They're Jews who are stirring up trouble. They, they, they stirred up devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution. So Paul and Barnabas, notice, they're being persecuted. 
You think you have it bad. When they got persecuted, they were stoned, whipped, put in jail. And you're, you're, you're all in a, in a tiff because you went to work and, and, and you got you know, demoted because your boss is an atheist and he found out you're a Christian. Listen, when you get something like that, that means you're on the right track. I'm telling you, that's how you got to look at it. Man, if the devil's coming against me like that, then that means I'm on the right track. And when you, when you get that kind of attitude that, you know what, no matter what comes against me, the Bible's clear, God's for me. So if you're coming against me, come on, bro. Because if, if all you've got is a little demotion, God's got a bigger promotion. And see, that kind of joy, that kind of like, I'm going to have joy no matter what the devil throws against me. It allows you to regroup and get some, get some, uh, uh, what's the sword of the spirit? The Bible, the word, get the, some word. That's what Jesus used. That's the weapon he used when he was tempted by the devil, right? Come on, y'all. Y'all with me? I know I'm spitting out a lot, but this is really, really good. And we got a Hallelujah Night meeting and I got to get it out quick. He said, listen, uh, uh. They came against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. Now notice how they responded. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them. And they came to the next city, Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Every once in a while, you got to just shake off the dust. Just shake off the dust. Shake off the dust. That was a, a phrase that they would use. It was a thing. It was a part of their culture. Hey, listen, if you won't have me in your house, I'll just shake off the dust at your, door, your doorstep and I'll go on to the next one. I will shake off the dust. In other words, I'm leaving all of my hardship with you. I'm not taking your problems with me. If you're going to stir up stuff against me, you can have it. I'm not taking it. I'm not taking the depression. I'm not taking the problems. I'm not taking the trouble. I'm not taking the calamity. I'm not taking all that stuff. I'm not wearing that. Because the Bible says that my yoke, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. In other words, when I serve Jesus, I don't have a heavy burden. Come on, somebody. I need y'all to get a little excited in here today. Like God has put in your life supernatural joy. Do you hear me? Supernatural joy in your life. You don't mean you may not feel happy today, but you should. You should. You should put a smile on your face and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The Bible says, and we're going to sing it in just a second. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord. You need to just say every once in a while, I am redeemed. I am blessed. I am prosperous. I am unstoppable. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I've got joy unstoppable. You, listen, the devil can try, but I'm going to have a smile on my face. I may have a moment, but I'm going to bounce back from that moment as quick as I can. And I'm going to put joy on. I'm going to let joy flow. And I'm going to respond to the devil and whatever he tries with happiness, with, with joy unspeakable. How do you do that? The word. Well, I start, I start muttering the word. I start taking the word. Hey, you know what? I know, I know that I know what he's doing, but let me tell you something. My God's bigger than him. 
my God's bigger than him. My God's smarter than him. My God's more powerful than him. My God's better than him. My God's, I, my God, no, 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 no. I'm not going to allow that, that little problem. That's what, that's what, when you're full of the word, that's what happens is you start to look at the, okay, well, you know what? That's it. That's what I'm going to get upset about today. That thing? No. No. No, I see at three o'clock, my kids are going to walk through that door. And when I see what God's blessed me with my family, I'm going to wrap my arms around them and they're not going to see a depressed daddy. They're not going to see an upset daddy. They're not going to see a sad daddy. I'm not saying you can't ever be sad, but even, even when you, you know, you can't ever be angry. I'm not saying that. The Bible says be angry and sin not. What I'm saying is, is that joy should be a fountain in your life. And, and it, will, it will not be there if you allow If you allow the devil to steal the word and drain the joy from your life. Now, here's the best part. Ready? If if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. He can't keep. He has to repay him. He has to give back. The Bible actually says in Proverbs, in Proverbs 6, 30 to 31, People do not despise the thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Well, that's not the devil. He's not starving. and That's not why he's stealing. He's stealing because John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy because he wants to destroy our life. So what does it say? Well, yet when he is found, when you go and find the devil and say, no, I'm not standing for what you stole from me. You've got to give it back. He, may, he must restore, notice this, he must restore seven times, sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. He has to give back seven times what he stole. Now, if you don't claim that, if you don't, if you don't say, you know, that's mine and you took it from me. See, your joy is not his, so I'm not going to allow him to take that from me. So he may attack my goods, my, my, my life. He may attack my family. He may attack my house. Whatever, whatever he takes, he can't keep. Amen. Come on. He can't keep it. There, there's nothing in the Bible that says he has a right to. There's nothing in God's word that says when he comes and attacks me, that I just have to roll over and take it. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I, 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 listen, you can take that from me, but God will give me something seven times better. Amen. You're saying if you get, if, the, if Satan steals your husband, he's going to give you seven of them? No. <laughs> no, please no. But you can have one. How about this? You can have a husband that's seven times better. Amen. You know, you have to look at your life. The way God sees your life. God sees your life that I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. I came so that you may have a life more abundant to me is not a life full of depression and just barely getting by and barely making it. No, it's a life that's full of joy. 
Hallelujah. A life that's full of joy, full of man, God's for me and not against me. He's going to be, he's by my side. Slap the, y'all need to slap the devil in the face this week. Slap him in the face. When he tries something, just, just smile back. Force it if you have to. Nope. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm going to be strengthened because I'm going to face this, whatever it is with joy. Um, In James chapter one, you guys go ahead and come and set up. James chapter one, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, First of all, to be totally clear, make sure that you understand this. The Bible tells us right after this that that let no man say when he is tempted, he's tempted by God. God cannot tempt any man with evil. All right. So this is talking about testing of faith. Y'all come on up. Don't just creep up like and everybody's wondering what you're doing. Just come on up and it'll be all right. (laughs) They're like, maybe they will not see me as I make my way to the stage. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You know why he's saying to count it all joy? The same thing happened in Hebrews 10. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle. What does this mean? Basically Satan made them a spectacle. And partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully, listen, joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. In Hebrews, he's talking about how when their stuff was stolen, Paul's saying, hey, you joyfully accepted that. You you kept your joy. So Satan can't keep your goods because you kept your joy. You joyfully accepted. You said, you know what? If this is what's coming against me, then so be it. So James here in chapter one is saying, count it all joy, not be thankful. I'm not thankful for the trial. I'm not thankful when that, you know, that's, that's that's the difference between what we're about to do in praising God and being thankful for what he has done, is doing, and is going to do. Because I understand that God didn't bring the trial. That every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above who does not change like shifting shadows. It says right after this, ask God for wisdom. So, so some people will teach this and it makes no sense. God will put you through something so you have to ask him for wisdom. Doesn't make any sense. Why don't I just ask him for wisdom then? Like, why do I have to go through the thing? Hello? Does that make sense to anybody else? Why do I have to go through the, so, I mean, does it, do any of you want to do that to your children? Let me put you through hell so you have to ask me how to learn. You know, I want you to be dumb in class and fail so then you come and ask me so, about how to do math. No, I'm just telling you, one plus one is two. Not three, it's two. And I want you to know that even if your teacher tells you uh, or is not teaching you that yet, I'm teaching you because I want you to know math. And when they get to math, you're going to know math. I don't want you to fail. 
But when you face a trial, when the devil attacks, James is saying, keep your joy intact. Keep your joy intact. I don't have time to read it all. In Psalms 27, it tells us to put on the sacrifice or to to bring a sacrifice of joy. And then in several places throughout the Bible, we're told to bring a sacrifice of praise. To bring a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. So how do I overcome? I'm going to keep my eyes on the word and his promises. Number one, I'm going to keep my eyes on the word and Jesus' promises. I'm not going to lose my joy. I'm going to regroup and get my sword out. What's that? It's the scripture. It's God's word. And one of those things that I can do is I can praise. I can praise God. I can say, hey, God is for me and not against me. God, thank you for being for me and not against me. And when you praise God, when you get a praise and you let the redeemed of the Lord, the fact that you're redeemed come out of your mouth and you say so. When you say so, the devil hates it because he's not it, can never be it, can never be redeemed, has lost the chance for redemption, and he hates it. He hates it. And if every time, listen to me, this is, this is the truth. This is the truth. If every time the devil attacks you, you respond that way, he'll go find a weaker target. He'll go find somebody else. If every time you say, come, come on, dude, seriously, I've already been through this. No problem. God will give me something better. God will get, God will get me out of this the same time he got me out of that one. I'm going to have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to have a good, I am having a good day. I am having a good day. You know why I'm having a good day? Because the Bible says that, the, that the, this is the day. That this is the day. And tomorrow is the day. And, and, and guess what? Tuesday, it's the day. And Wednesday, Darrell, it's the day. It's the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. I will be glad in it. I'm going to be glad because God is inside me and inside me is the power that overcame the grave that the devil has no power to defeat me. He's under my feet. I got something to smile about. Now I want everybody to stand up on your feet. We're going to do this on our way out of here. I want to, I want to have some praise, shout music. Y'all feel free to, feel free to run. Feel free to dance. Feel free to be joyful. I, don't, don't worry about who's going to see you or you invited your friend to watch the live stream. And if they see me run across the front, they might judge me. Well, who cares? Everybody on live stream, no judging. You should be running in your living room. You should go on break right now at work. And so tell them, hold on, I got to have a praise break. I'm serious. This song, this song, gonna make it, it, let it get going. Let it get in your heart. When it hits the end, just get ready to run. Just get ready to dance. Get ready to leap a little bit. Let let this song be a declaration for you that, hey, I am going to declare in my life. I'm going to say so when the devil comes against me. I'm going to say I'm redeemed. I'm going to say I'm going to say that he cannot defeat me. I'm going to say my joy is staying right here and you're not taking it. I'm going to praise God in the midst of any problem, trial, tribulation. 
I'm going to change my posture instead of looking down. Praise is going to change my posture to look up. Amen.